Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Bryce Castillo. Hello, hello. Oh, wait. That's, and that's it. Well, that's yeah, it. But, but, but I need to Two. adjudicate whether or not that was copyright infringement. He technically <laughs> said the same words. Now, I understand he put emphasis on the second I hello. I did put some different emphasis on a different syllable. <laughs> See, that's like, I, mm, uh, uh, Your Honor. Can we, can we get a ruling on this one? Your Honor, I would love a ruling on this, actually. Okay, see, he's doing it. He's still doing it, Your Honor. I'm, I'm just okay. doing it. I'm just doing it, Your Honor. <laughs> see, Your right, Honor, I, I'm just Your doing Honor, it. Your Honor, I swear, every time we go to court, he does this every time. Objection. <laughs> objection. So, yeah, objection. Me, <laughs> objection. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I I we'll bring up a topic we'll talk about right now, which just relates to this, is when is something the same or when is it different? And sometimes it could be the same on so many levels and very, very different because it's just a, one or two distinctions. Uh, let's take an animal that is just it's, it's young for like seven months or just just much, much, much longer than other mammals. Uh, it has foot pads. It has flat toes, like or flat toenails. Okay. 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 And it keeps its testicles on the inside. On the inside. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, really kind of a smart feature if you think about it. I mean, I mean, um, uh, boy, if, if I could rework humans 2.0. <laughs> they had yeah. an idea with ovaries. They were doing something with ovaries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, when it's cold, it effectively does that. So we know there's room. We know it's possible. <laughs> it's a transformer. It's a convertible. <laughs> yeah. So we've got, we got, we got two animals with all these same features. And then we look at them genetically. We find out that they are like the closest relation to each other. Do they? But right. they look and are like generally very different. Well, well, I mean, oh, go on. I mean, to your, to your raw, untutored <laughs> eye, you might notice some superficial differences and be like, "Oh, they're completely different." But like, you know, I'd be like, "Oh, that person has red hair. That person, sure. you know, has a frog and a toad, sort of." I, I, uh... those are different. <laughs> so what's funny is I had that thought and I was like, there's no way Andrew lets it go uncorrected. Yeah. No, no. A turtle and a, a turtle and a tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Which I learned about the difference from reading Gary Larson cartoons, by the way. Uh, what what is the difference between a turtle and a tortoise? Don't don't really you don't really want to throw tortoise or land turtles like the water. You don't really want to oh, throw a oh, tortoise yeah, yeah. in okay. the water. It'll yeah. be like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, only evolutionarily built for this. <laughs> so uh, I have a theory on what these critters might be. They gotta be mammals. They they gestate their young internally for seven months. Well, two two very closely related. One seven months, another one like nine or longer period of time. Okay. Well, gentlemen. Oh, okay. I, may I do guess? you know? Do you know what the closest living relative to the elephant is? Oh, busted! I didn't know it at all. Uh, uh, is it the human? Is it human? Is no, it? No, it's not human. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we I don't have the technology. We just did the whole thing on the testicles, it's, didn't it's we? Specifically, Justin Robert Young. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know who that is. All right, you, the closest living relative to to an elephant. Well, elephant. you would well, uh, think um, a li- woolly mammoth. Well, no, living. Oh, living. Living. Okay. Yeah. Where do you? What's hey, going on? on in I mean, well, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You think a little differently around here. I mean, we, that's that's one of the. If we could uh, take a quick side jag, I, I think we've talked on this show before. The idea of uh, cloning a mammoth by basically uh, taking the uh, ovum of a of a elephant and and uh, similar to Dolly the sheep. Uh, hmm. Uh, uh, inject it with the DNA recovered from woolly mammoths, right? Did I say yeah, elephant yeah, or mammoth? A, okay. Yeah, one approach. So you ready for this? Ready. I want you to Google this up. Okay. H-Y-R-A-X. Hyrax? Hyrax? Hey! Mm, that's what? a tiny little guy. That's a little critter. 
That's the close. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, why? The, okay. This is complete. This now talk <laughs> about a frog and a toad. Totally opposite here. This is a little guy. Okay. Now, now, now. Keep in mind, humans' closest relative are chimpanzees, and I can kind of see like they can both wear tuxedos. They can both drive limousines. They both can star in movies with, with Jackie Eastwood. Yeah. Uh, they. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. But but it's like oh, I I don't think we can pile on one of these hyraxes and take a photo. At a at a zoo. Uh, so uh, h- how Andrew? Th- like look at them. They even put a side by side for us here. Fur, no fur. Tusks, no tusks. Wet little nose. Big long prehensile nose. Uh, 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 <laughs> tiny ears. Big ears. Big ears. Yeah. Look at the feet. Uh, the one's, feet. One's 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 a chungus. Uh, been eating too much. One's a big chungus for, for, for the winter. That's the other right. the other's an elephant. <laughs> <It's> an elephant. <laughs> So I I want you to go click on go look up the Wikipedia for Hyrax right. and then click on the clade that it's in which is uh Painungulata. Okay, um, we're going to and then you'll see the phylogeny and then you will see Whoa, So all in the same clubhouse. You got you got From? elephants, you got manatees, you got woolly mammoth, you got a Hyrax, uh, you got a bunch of made-up pictures, as best I can tell. Uh, it comes from the Latin Pione almost and ungulata, ungulatus having hooves, aka almost having hooves. Uh, do these little fellas only almost have hooves? Did you go down to the phylogeny? Oh, uh, going to the phylogeny here. Uh, so this is this is the hyrax, and this elephant—it's very close. Yeah. Uh, and then the and then the sea cows are even closer to the elephant. Uh, no, um, well they 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 both well they they both split off. They have they the the tetheria and then they have serenia and then you get the sea cows. So, so they're and, and much uh, uh, serenia are extinct, I assume. No, those are like you know manatees. Oh, uh, sorry, I meant I meant whatever the 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 progenitor of of the various. Types. Uh, oh, no, that's I mean, the that, order. That would be, this yeah, is the order. Yeah, the kingdom phylum, phylum class. class order, family, genus, species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but how did? Uh, uh, that's a very that's a very drastic shift in evolution, I would say, Andrew. So there are some very you know one of the things we've talked about before, like the the founder effect, let's say the the island effect, where if you put a really if you put a large size mammal on an island and there's not a lot of food, it tends to get smaller, where the prey can actually get bigger. And this is a situation where just over time, you know, their, their common ancestor, you know, it took two paths and one was, you know, stayed like this size. The other ones just got progressively bigger. But what's really neat is like the, if you look at their teeth, the, they have the same teeth that are tusks in, um, yeah, fossils will not founders. In fact, that's a different one. The teeth that come down and form an elephant's tusks are like similar to what's in the hyrax that it's elongated teeth there that you look at like the gestation period, you know, the hyrax looks like a little rodent where, but a rodent, you know, it, it takes, you know, a month, two months for it to go through basically, you know, to it's mature, you know, gestation cycle for children where the hyrax is like seven months. You know, this sucker has been like seven months in the womb, which That's... is incredibly long for something that small. Yeah. And, um, in, in, in the case of humans, uh, I mean, even then I think that, um, if, if there was a, mechanical fix for the exit strategy of a human we would we would cook humans even longer in our bellies uh given given the complexities but but once the brain gets so big it, it's difficult to uh to exit the body um mm. what what do you suppose from an evolutionary benefit perspective the reason for seven months of cooking would be on this for just one they, they only have one they don't have a litter uh i don't I, know if I, I, I would not. assume not because I think that's how it is with uh, elephants. We're just making stuff up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what, what's what's interesting is, and it, and I don't know. And I would say that if you ask me about an elephant, I'd be like, well, because you know, it takes a while to make something that big, you know. Yeah. But here, <laughs> um, they do have hyrax have very complex social orders. They actually have warning sounds. They have syntax. So. There might be a bit of development in the brain that just takes longer to do it. It might be that, you know, neurological development takes a bit, you know, takes more time. So it looks like they uh, will give birth up to four young at a time in, okay. in certain okay. species of hyraxes. Um, 
uh, wow. And but that seems like a lot, even for how small these little these little guys are. Uh, now, yeah. There's some talk about uh, elephants being uh, one of the most uh, emotionally developed of, of all creatures in the animal kingdom. Um, is there? I, I guess you did mention there's a, a strong social hierarchy or, or structure within hierarchies. Um, I guess I don't know. Like, can can you hurt their feelings? Can you make fun of them? Do they can, ever can, forget? Uh, oh, oh, here's a question. Do you think an elephant is scared of hierarchies the way they are of mice? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do they see a hyrax and then freak out? And then the hyraxes get scared of um, of the elephant because it's so big. Well, yeah. I mean, we, first of all, we should all be scared. If you turn a corner and there's an elephant, you <laughs> should shriek and run away. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will point out that uh, the Sarrinia, like sea cows, manatees, et cetera, might be actually genetically closer. But, yeah, they're in the water, so we don't care. No, that, but this one gets the award for... Um, uh, most surprising to be in the family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is weird. Which is a wish, weird I wish, award to I give. I wish they would stop giving me that award at every family reunion. I was going to say, <laughs> not going to change one, a lot the contest. <laughs> one, one of the things that I would love, like, if you read the original Jurassic Park novel, there's a lot of stuff about the early days of John Hammond when he was trying to get funding. And, like, at one point he made, like, an elephant, like a genetically tiny elephant. That that's what his display. That's how he would like. He would go in front of people and like pull up and display, and there'd be like the little tiny elephant. People were like, "Ooh, wow!" I totally forgot that part of of the book. Uh, but that does kind of speak perfectly to the PT PT Barnum esque yeah. nature of of like what of, of a global changing technology. Let's make a theme park out of it. Yeah. You want to show off your elephant? Well, we've only got the one door. <laughs> oh, no, but now hold on here because I got it right. And like an iPod. It's like the iPod reveal. It gestates for seven months. It has tusks. It's close to the hyrax. Are All you three. It yet? <laughs> I love that there's an entire Jurassic Park Wikipedia, which goes, the Pachyderm portfolio was a project started by John Hammond, a flamboyant venture capitalist and conducted by Northam Atherton, a Stanford geneticist in the novel Jurassic Park. The original plan was to make consumer biologicals or biologically created products for consumer youth usage. Eventually, with Hammond's funding, Athena was able to develop a miniature elephant approximately 9 to 12, 9 by inches by 12 inches. Uh, unsafe TV uh, level in the chat says they should make a John Hammond or a prequel series like Young Indiana Jones, which I would oh, 100% uh, that was what I was to. be there for. That, that's what I was getting to, is I think that there is a tremendous amount of, of material to mine in how do you get to Jurassic Park? Because little uh, stories like this, the other genetic experiments, the other things they were doing... John Hammond bending the rules. And I, you I, could I, easily do a, a, an Indiana Jones, Laura Croft, you know, uh, world globing, oh, yeah, yeah. globetrotting adventure what, what, just what, to get the genes or the whoosums or whatever. No, that's perfect because, like, they've already made it clear that this is the epic conclusion to the Jurassic series or whatever. But now you go back and, and he's got reasons to travel all over. Uh, he's got uh, – uh, you get to go sci-fi. You get to go – crazy uh yeah. yeah no that's great hammond's wacky adventures <laughs> okay we'll work out that title <laughs> the original adventures of dr john hammond the series the book based uh, on the book it could be the, the guy who would the, later create jurassic park <laughs> the, the the flirtation with military funding and other kinds of like secret projects i think i think it'd be just a great territory to mine Oh, oh gosh. make a critter that's a that's a, uh, a tank? You, a you literal even, tank. Well, like uh, was wasn't there a um, uh, a, a Nazi project uh, where they would train homing pigeons to peck to guide a missile? Uh, or was yeah. that even? Yeah, it was during World War II. But basically, they they would just train them to keep the dot on the thing, mm. and uh, you get the food. And so then they would put a pigeon inside a missile, and it would sit there and dutifully peck to keep the dot in the thing wow. right until it exploded. So I, I can imagine some, some kind of version of that. I mean, Thank I love God that we have just, computers. We're just we're just the, the writers' room for this new series. <laughs> <laughs> so we put a little raptor in there, and we give it little bits of meat oh, to hit. The key to the circle. Yeah, you could do things where they make like they crossbreed intelligent dogs and other stuff, and just just you know a lot of you know a lot of potential there. Tiny elephant, so. the John Hammond story. 
I'm in. Uh, you know what? I say we take mm. this thing straight to series. We don't shop it to Hollywood. That's the right. only way we can make that happen huh. is if we get directly funded by our fine listeners who head on over to patreon.com slash weird things. We, we do not own copyrights or any intellectual property relating to this idea that we stated. But we would Audience like to beware. buy them with money right. donated to us at Patreon. We will actually make an offer. If you I give us millions of dollars. <laughs> they'll, they'll, <laughs> at an undisclosed number, we will make an offer and we will publish the letter we get in response. If yeah. you head on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash weird things, keep us loud, live, and independent, bringing you news of the weird. Plus, you get after things early, you get an easy RSS feed that you don't have to log into, all sorts of good stuff. Check it also, out. Also, no elephants. None. 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 That's the one pledge we've kept. <laughs> <laughs> we will never send you an elephant. Never. Of any size. Not one. Hyrax's different story. Yeah, yeah. We're just lousy with them over here. Hey, uh, I have uh, headlines that are basically. <laughs> I'm going to read the headline, and the answer is Brian. Headline uh, This is from Eric Berger, who writes for Ars Technica, who does a wonderful job of covering the space industry. Headline Who is ready for a fleet of CubeSats flying over cities displaying ads? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what I think what I what I heard is who kind of who's ready to buy ads floating over cities? Oh. <laughs> Just scam stuff. <laughs> so uh in this this some Russian researchers have proposed basically a advertising platform, which we've talked about before, putting stuff in the sky. And so CEO Brian Brushwoodski has said, <laughs> um, uh, we, we've talked about this because it's technically extremely possible, very cool, and extremely controversial that if you do it, be prepared for the level of hate that you're going to get. I mean, uh, last, last time we really dove in on it was, um, it was just a disco ball that would occasionally flash yeah. a single light and you had to, it was so hard to spot. You had to hunt it down and be at the right place and be looking in the right place in order to catch it. And that, who that was a controversy. And that was half a decade ago. Yeah. And they, did they even launch it or it was only up for a yeah, temporarily? Yeah. 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 Uh, short period. But apparently but, the way this but I mean, do you do you want to live in the that Blade Runner scene? Like, it's cool that there's like <laughs> virtual holograms giving you a coke and giving you a weird little lap hey, Bryce, dance. Uh, but uh, real real quick, you got I, something on your back. You want you want to show it to uh, <laughs> okay. to An Andrew? I guess I am wearing a Coca Cola sweater. <laughs> <laughs> that besides the point. <laughs> okay, it just seems mm. like it looks cool. It makes for a very cool movie, but I don't need because it's not going to be cool ads like that it's going to be like pets dot pet, pets dot web that's right it's back <laughs> pets dot web is po back po pokerchumps.com that's <laughs> right um, it's not even going to be cool stuff I bet I don't know yeah but uh, uh, there so, might be somebody out there that's worthwhile so I, mean, when, I mean well well, well tell me this oh, God, I, I, I don't like that I'm having to play <laughs> devil's advocate <laughs> Is the game of baseball ruined by the fact that every single time you see any baseball anything ever, there are always ads in the background? Or is that, quote-unquote, part of the all-American baseball experience? As part of the economic model of baseball, yeah. You know What you, Bryce said. You, you sell ads to support baseball. What is the CubeSats that are, that are selling you, like— Uber referral. What codes. is it helping me get? What uh, is it helping motivated for me? to yeah. move away from that city? <laughs> <laughs> it's brought to you by the tourism board. Like if the delivery, like if we had delivery drones and the delivery drones had an ad on it, fine. It, you know, if I get a an Uber or a Lyft, you know, some of them have like the they have little video banners on top, or they got the car wrap things that's going around, like. Okay, that's a part of the economics of this. But if it's just like we're making new billboards and they're in friggin' space. I, okay, okay. God, I'm hating myself more by the second. Okay. <laughs> it's all if you're going to do some stargazing. Okay. Would you do uh, it? For those of you counting, Brian really hates himself a lot already. I, 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 well, well, because because I'm trying to I'm trying to be You're trying to steal man. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're, you're, 
Uh, it's already not a great experience to look at the night sky in any metropolitan city. So it's a little bit worse and grosser because there's a flashing light show of ads. If you want to look at night sky, you can still get out of the city and do it. You yeah, can still go to the yeah. mountain. Just get out of here. Just, just leave. Hop onto your helicopter. Fly <laughs> to it's your not that mountain. hard, people. They, just I mean, drive like it, 30 minutes out of It's town. a helicopter pilot, Michael. How much can <laughs> it cost? $10 million? <laughs> Brian, Brian talking to, you know, hi, Brian's new job for PR for the CCP. You know, people <laughs> of Beijing, the smog, the smog, if you want to get away from it, just you We're know, protecting the light. We're keeping the light in with the smog. <laughs> like, I, it does I don't like a this. very pretty afterglow. I don't like myself any more than you don't. <laughs> so, like, is is there like an is there a functional element to this? I I would imagine. Well, first of all, now now I'm dropping my attempt to steal man. Uh, in speaking plainly, the dumbest thing anybody thinks to do with anything, the first thing they think is, we'll, we'll use it to make ads. <laughs> the internet. Remember when the internet was going to run on banner ads? Uh, 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 cave paintings, you name it. It's, so so I, I, I'm, I don't believe the ad anything. Uh, outside of the initial PR spike of free publicity by being the first to do it, everyone else you might as well not even bother, right? Mm. Um uh, similar to being a, a, a space tourist astronaut, you know, it's like Dennis Tito was the first, and we all remember that name. Notary remembers the second. I don't even remember Dennis Tito. Yeah, uh, he was the first. Uh, <laughs> so I'm told. Uh, yeah. Uh, that... uh, uh, fun fact: It was actually supposed to be a, a friend of the show and our friend uh, Richard Garriott, except for uh, Electronic Arts stock went poorly, and he <laughs> had to give up his seat. <laughs> that EA, they're always messing with things. Uh... Yeah, this is weird. I, I I have to imagine that this would just be so prohibitively expensive as to keep this from ever being a problem. Oh, not for long. Yeah, you know, they say that they could, you know, it would cost like two million per day. Um, you know, they would, these things would be up there for like ninety days or something, then probably deorbit. Uh, I just think that it's gonna be, you know. It's going to happen, right? Is it visible? Well, are we talking about visible eye, or do you still have to, like, stargaze to go and see it? No, I mean, it depends. Like, they're showing their examples, like, just showing the Olympic logo. It's not going to be, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, you know a, an ad for, you know, Minoxidil followed by, you know, 500 words of, you know, legalese. Oh, it's yeah. going to be something. So okay. Mm -hmm. So, ooh, let's, let's play the game of moving the goalposts. What if it was about the same brightness as, let's say, less bright than one of the planets uh, when it's really reflecting, but but definitely detectable and seeable as a pinpoint. Yeah. But if you had a decent telescope, uh, you would be able to see and and uh, either read or, or actually discern the logo. Now, does it sound that bad? It's kind of like a, or what, what if it's like a special treat or message, or you could have your message. What if it's like a, a, a display board and for $50, you can give a gift to a loved one that we're going to display a message on this thing. And then you could gather in the backyard and look at it through a telescope. Well, how about this? Okay. Let me, let me piggyback off of you there. Okay. So you got these little CubeSats and you do need like a basic telescope to find it, right? Something maybe not very low powered, but yeah, you can see it like the pinpoint and uh, it's a challenge. Like, Hey, we've got CubeSats out there. Can you find them? And if you do take a photo of it or see it. And when you do like do a QR code and you can get a free McDonald's cheeseburger or something oh like that, like it, then, then you're putting some, va some value into it. You're putting a game into it for people to do at least. Okay. At least my story was a heartwarming tale of a dad and a daughter. Yours is a coupon for a cheeseburger. <laughs> I'm sorry. Does I your daughter like cheeseburgers? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I that would be i would have to imagine that that would have to be the transactional element you need for something like that you know billboards only work because we're driving next to them um no there are not a lot of people going out in the middle of nowhere to see you a know billboard. what i just realized who would be behind this who big asteroid 
They want all of those amateur astronomers not to be looking for the giant global killer. Yeah. <laughs> they want them looking at the free big golden arches. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this Manhattan-sized beast sneaks up. <laughs> uh, we were too busy eating it, all of our delicious cheeseburgers <laughs> from friends. <laughs> Uh, Okay, I'm going to take your pause, Andrew, as you running the math on whether or not you can advertise your next novel with one of these. (laughs) I I already deal with enough hate. (laughs) It could actually, you could write a novel about somebody... Who does something, and then you can like uh, reveal a thing on. Oh, man, someone, all of a sudden, I'm I, down it's with about, this. Okay, it's about someone who's doing a scavenger hunt like this for In one of these keeps hats. And thing. then you actually do and it. And then you, yeah, you actually I, do it. <gasps> there could be ways you get away with it. Like we have to delete this VOD. So we have to keep this idea for ourselves. <laughs> well, I have a. So you know, you know about the plan that Tom Cruise is going to go on board the ISS and shoot a movie. I heard yeah. that. Yeah, uh, that's uh, coming up soon, right? Yeah, they already like there was already some Russian or some other European film where they put an actress up there and shot some stuff that was just like whatever to try to be first. But who cares? It's first. It's good how well it's going to be. But I think it's Tom Cruise and Doug Lyman's doing this. And so NASA said, you know, like, yeah, we're working them to make this happen. And he. He will maybe be the first civilian to stay the spacewalk at the ISS. Wow. Oh my goodness. SpaceX, there's a SpaceX mission Polaris uh, from Jared Isaacman, which may involve a spacewalk coming up, but Tom Cruise could be the first civilian to do that in the ISS. Wow. Uh, And he's doing it for a movie. I guess it's better than doing it just to do it, just for yourself. He's sharing it with us. He's sharing his gift of. (laughs) Okay. All right. Hold on. For the record, I hate myself. No, I'm being, uh, I'm no but, but let me ask the following question. Okay. Of all the actors in the entire world, mm. only one I know of is rumored to have boilerplate in his contract oh that says he is to be digitally de-aged to never appear older than 50. So if, what, forgive me, why are we actually sending the man into space to act so that we could paint over his face with CGI <laughs> to make him not look the way the man actually. What are we doing? What is like? Well, remember, <laughs> one of the things that's helped him sort of revitalize his career and why he's back to movie star status, which is hard to like, you know, he and Leonardo DiCaprio are kind of like it, is his stunts. And the fact that he, the lengths that he goes through, you know, what made Top Gun Maverick great was, you know, putting actors in real airplanes and then the, uh, the, the non-jet fighter plot fought flying Tom Cruise did a lot of that. Right. And so I think, I think for him, nobody doubts his dedication. You know, nobody doubts how serious it is. If, if they say he's going to be strapped to the outside of a C-141 jet, that's him. He does it. You know, they've got in the new Mission Impossible movie, he's doing this insane motorcycle jump with a parachute. So. You know, like, you know, the guy wants to put some filters and stuff on and, you know, Da Vinci Resolve. Who are we to judge? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at least they're doing it. At least they're doing You're using practical space and not a a total green screen. And look how great that made Maverick. Look how great it made for Maverick to just, and and that was, you know, Joe Skutsinski, who's a guy that did Tron and is known for doing, like, Oblivion, tons of digital, digital, fake it with this, fake it with that. But for him, that, whether it was, something he'd always wanted to do to be able to do it to this level of realism. It's, it's just made it so much better because. And, and I 100% agree in a billion little ways that are difficult to articulate and that we can't quite replicate uh, even, uh, or at least not cost effectively. Um, it just screams authentic and real in a way that your brain engages with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's part of like, how much longer do we have for that though? I think we'll keep going. I think that we're going to drive the cost down. And so I could see, you know, when Christopher Nolan uh, did uh, his recent war movie, you know, he went and used real aircraft to do that. I could see, like, if you get into a world of, like, 3D part manufacturing and stuff like that, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to actually have 50. Uh, I'm going to do the Luftwaffe with, like, 50 drones that I can actually shoot this fight, you know, this aerial battle with actual aircraft. I see that's something that, like, on high end, that's what spectacle's going to be. It's going to be where digital will be the cheap stuff and really high end. No, we just spent the money. We, we put a guy in space because why not? Yeah. I mean, the safety the safety will get good enough, uh, th- right? There, there's got to be still safety breakthroughs that will allow us 
to do more and more practical stuff, safer uh, with without. Uh, I don't know. We, we can. Ha we've got wires on a lot of this stuff, and then we just paint them out. Um, I bet there are still more breakthroughs to be to be done in the practical space. Yeah, and I think that, like I said, if if you're trying to do these big tentpole type films to get people into the door, you need to do something that somebody else can't do. Can't can't you know, you know what what advantages Apple has is when Apple wants to do an ad campaign. Apple can spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and plaster every city with all these things to show you iPhone photographs. And that's sort of the, you know, you just look at like, what do you leverage? And so if you're doing a, you know, $300, $400 million movie, well, like, well, I'll spend $100 million to shoot things authentically. I have, I have a dumb question. Um, what space? <laughs> as is usual, what's different? Do you think that there would be a possibility like i'm trying to think of what alchemy it would take in terms of directing talent writing talent cg talent and also marketing talent to make possible imagine you went to a movie theater and screenings were limited to 40 to 50 people uh per showing ticket prices were higher let's mm -hmm. say uh 40 or 50 dollars a piece but all of a sudden you walked in and it's, uh, I don't know, a full two-hour war movie. Only uh, before you go in, everybody steps into a phone booth and then you all sit down and the movie is those 50 people in the audience and you're a character in the movie. So let me a ask Everybody you watching is a character in the movie. Just like as How? a digital scan? Like, why, do I, why do I care about the experience of 49 other people there? Well, no, uh, no. I, I'm trying to think of something close to a family unit. Like I would picture like 20, 20 people I can, you know, well, me and 19 friends. Let's say you sit friends. down on the couch. Let's say you sit down on the couch and you open up a new Netflix show and then it's your family, but it's The Simpsons or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. No, I think, Same idea, okay. I'm just trying to picture uh, uh, to scale for, for money, you know. Uh, yeah, but I don't, I, but again, I don't, I think that, that when you scale it, you lose. It, it loses out on, you know, part of the, the, you know, that was like, remember they did the interactive movies in the 1990s? You go there and you press the button to yeah. say, do this, do that, right? And part of the problem was, it's like, okay, so I'm in a room full of 100 people and I got to F and vote to yeah. see what scene happens next. And if I lose, how will I? It's like, it was bad enough on, which I still love, the Disney Horizons. Remember that? The future, the Horizons ride, we'd press like, which future do you want to oh. see? Oh, yeah. Like, the blooming yeah. desert. You know, you did, you did the desert because of the smell of citrus. It was amazing. And, but you'd be, you have to compete with other people like, you know, everybody do this, everybody do this, you know. Well, and, so. and that's, that's the problem is, is when you're only going to get a plurality of votes and not a majority, then that means the majority is unhappy with whatever was yes, selected. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I'd say like with the, the, the 49 people who want to see a movie, it's like, Every time somebody's there up and the strangers will just start cheering for their friend and you'd be like, I don't give an F, you know? Right, right. Well, yeah. well, then, then, then we'll scale it down. I, I, I'm just trying to think of like uh, about how many characters are in movies, give or take. And it's, it's hard mm -hmm. for me to think of many good movies with fewer than, you know, uh, six characters. But you, could, in it. you could take your Rick like just, you know, go through your, your social media profile and grab all your friends or your photo album. And, you know, there you go. Yeah. Game mm -hmm. of Thrones played out with your family. Yeah. No, let's not do Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's a bad mix. Bad mix. Erase that's a, that. Boy, that moment. Watch people die inside. <laughs> uh, it, it almost... It, see, I guess it's an interesting idea, right? Creating interact, interactive uh, media, um, interactive movies and films and stuff. Um, well, in, in this case, it wouldn't be interactive. It would be narrative. It's just that, what does it matter who the faces are? Just go ahead and paint your face on them. Well, because they're stories that are written about characters. Right. But we narratively enjoy the protagonist because they're a relatable figure for us to project ourselves onto. Well, mm -hmm. So now let's what? literally put your face on the protagonist people, so that you can I, I, see I, it better. But I'd say that, that 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 gets into the intersection of when is it a game and when is it you know a not a narrative and when is it nonlinear? Because yeah. I think that gets into, and I, I think it's a blurry thing. I, th I think we're going to see mediums are going to go all the way across that. Because because it, it it's at some point if if you take out enough of the like deliberate characterization, then you just have jib jabs. 
Yeah. Do you? But like, good. <laughs> oh. <Have> you, <laughs> do you guys have you ever done any of these like fever events? Fever. Mm, I think you've mentioned these before, but I don't recall. They're they're. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go to feverup.com and you can see all the different kinds of things that they have. Like, uh, they did the Stranger Things experience, which I described before, which was a parking garage they took over and turned into like the Starcourt mall and like you go through different areas the under you drive your car through like an amusement park right almost and you go through like the underground they have actors everywhere and it's just a very interesting it was fun it was a very and to pull it off the way they did uh was just kind of a really neat thing and they go around from different cities they have a bunch of different events they put on now um from like pumpkin patches and other stuff and doing other events and different forms of interactive stuff. But uh, at, at it, its heart, it's uh, similar to kind of a haunted hayride type experience or. Yeah. But, and, but the production quality on this is really good, like really, really good, you know, to like, and they've just expanded into like basically a bunch of different events now. I guess the question is, is it cheaper to make this new form of, you know, of, inter-social film or, or TV versus just making escape rooms or traveling a traveling stage show. Because well, I, I mean, here's... it obviously has different different goals, but if, if the idea is to like engage people directly with them in the space, I wonder if, I wonder if the investments on those are similar. Well, what they do is they can move these things around. Yeah, and that's the the challenge escape rooms run into is fatigue. You have a lot in a town. You might have a bunch of people really into escape rooms, but they're going to do yours once or twice, and then they're going to get bored of it. It's like the problem with Chuck E. Cheese, Disney Quest, etc. And so, what Fever, I think the model they have is they have stuff they can just move from place to place, and that's I think a really really smart way to do it is they can build a lot of infrastructure. Like the infrastructure they had for this, the props and stuff were huge. But then when they're done, they pack it onto a truck. They go to the next look like a carnival. You know, they go to the next location, and then they set that up again so they can recoup the costs on that, and you know, and the learned expertise on how to train people. And 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 I think there's something to be said about having a special season for everything, like uh, uh, let's say uh, Disney's Epcot Food and Wine Festival, one of my favorite things ever. Uh, if if they had all of those choices all year long, it would be all like, well, I've done it once. Do I want to go? Well, I don't know. It's always going to be there. Whereas, like, I know it's only going to be these six weeks, and and I get excited for it because of it. Same as you know, the local uh, uh, ramshackle uh, tetanus carnival comes to town, and then yeah, it's like it's only going to be here for a month. Yeah. Yeah. It, hmm. So hmm. I want to go into sort of a related story. Did you all watch to see what Facebook announced, or excuse me, Meta announced last week? Uh, oh, uh, uh, was that? It wasn't the, profits. Um, <laughs> it was the Oculus Pro, I believe. And, yes, the Oculus Pro. And also, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Pro Fit. Or, excuse me. The <laughs> Sorry, quick. did you think we were saying profits? No, 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 no. <laughs> no the, this the is pro, the Oculus Pro Fit. We've got our Pro Fit. No, the Meta Quest Pro. Um, which is I'm now Andrew. I'm told this this device is pretty expensive, actually. Well, I mean, if you think fifteen hundred dollars, you know, a twelve hundred dollar premium over their last device is expensive, then yeah, somebody might come to that conclusion. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, this uh, I think we have to sheepishly disclose, Andrew, that uh, uh, we we uh, did you buy a Vibe Vive? Me? No, I guess I guess it was me and Justin. I was the one, the first one to do the Vive and yeah. tell you, guys, when it has the full tracking in your head around there, it's not like their head. It's and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. BS, we, we call BS. <laughs> and then you did the Vive and you're like, oh, my God. And you're telling me, you're telling me, oh, when you go do this, it's really amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, that was $7.99 retail just for the lighthouses and the gizmos. And then you still needed a, Controllers. a good uh, PC for PC. it. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so $1,500 for this self-contained question mark device, uh, would, it doesn't seem terribly unreasonable compared to the more than $2,000 that I know Justin and I have spent in the past. Yeah. I, I think that the, the thing is when their last, the, the previous was, uh, they were selling $300 and, and I think the quest too is a, a very i think for the money i think it's the best value you can get in a consumer electronics device considering 
you know, uh, the power uh, of this. Agreed. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't want to tip my my pick, but um, oh. uh, I've been getting back into using my Quest uh, 2, which is right here. Oh. Um, uh, because I, uh, uh, for 80 bucks, bought the little umbilical gizmo that allows me to use a decent high-end gaming PC to... Oh, cool. Uh, uh, the, the only thing that's a bummer is that there's a little bit more tunnel vision in the Quest 2 compared to the Vive. The Vive, you get a little more peripheral vision, but, but mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, you're just strapping a monitor to your face, so... Uh, man, if, if I could scratch the coin together, I, th I, th I think the, the Meta Pro, uh, uh, Quest Pro, would definitely be something i'd go for so what's in it's got with your hour and a half battery life on that um the the i think it's a very interesting technical thing they use is what they call pancake lenses so if you notice that the front of it is nowhere near as deep as the other as the previous quest oh great it has uh tons of cameras like the controllers now use cameras to detect their position their cameras that detect light on the quest where its position is. Their cameras on the inside, looking at your eyeballs and your face mm. to help you with face things. So people have just gone all in on putting cameras there. And these pass-through cameras, the cameras that show you what's going on outside, are full color. And so when you put this thing on and you go into AR mode, it'll look like you're just in your room or whatever. Like the quest does that now, but it's black and white where what? this will be full uh, color. And, and, and also I, I believe, uh, I, I've yet to, I've only, I only know how to engage the black and white AR kind of stuff by walking outside of the boundary. And it's like, I wish I could just turn it on and experience that. It's good enough that like, uh, I'll, I'll pick up sodas and, 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 and manipulate objects and actually sit down, I can walk up to the keyboard and put my hands on the keyboard and type and yeah. even see stuff on the monitor with the super grainy black and white stuff. I have to imagine that if they're designing it with some AR experiences out of the box, it'll be pretty good. And uh, if, if if the whole thing about it is that it's expensive, well, that'll good. That will come good. well, it will come down eventually, right? Like those products, those the miniaturization going on, it is a pretty small device, even compared to that Quest 2. Uh that will that that stuff trickles down into further con, you know yeah uh, someone whether it's valve or HTC somewhat like the the no well, every, well our, it'll be competitors a, it'll be quest i mean the the this is next year they're going to have remember they called a pro they say this is a pro and so that implies when we get a quest 3 they'll probably try to put as much in here as they can i suspect to me the uh, I'd love to do D and D with AR. Well, have we got a game for you? Um, it's going to be in AR. Uh, Demio will be in a augmented reality mode. Um, oh, that'd be fun. So basically, uh, AR, uh, and, and we we've talked around this, but specifically, there was uh, what was the game that you sent us a, a, a movie of uh, over text? Uh, because that was by Resolution, the same one through Demio. It's spatial. Uh, they call it spatial ops. Spatial ops. So in this case, it's AR. Uh, I guess it takes place like just showing your office as it is, but there's no reason once the gizmo is able to understand the layout of the room that it can't map it with, you know, bloody covered stones or, you know, science fiction walls or whatever. Yeah, the the I think tabletop gaming is going to have a big, huge leap forward with augmented reality. I think that's going to be one of the things people are going to be surprised about is the fact that, like, you know, people just want to sit there and use it to play a game because you can do social, put your other your friends in there, whatever, but not feel like you're completely you know out of it. But I I, mm. I, just, I, have, I just want to throw a theory. I have a theory that some people are saying this product seems a little half-baked, particularly because the battery life isn't really that long and because the cost is super high. and one theory is that Facebook, Meta, et cetera, knows that Apple's imminent gonna, you know, Apple's imminent arrival into AR is happening. And they could know this because like rumors are that the Apple's AR system is gonna use Sony image, you know, Sony uh, you know, Sony displays. And if you were Facebook and eight months ago, Sony says, Hey, we have five million displays, we can ramp up five million displays in ten months. Do you want to buy them? You're like, Oh, we'll get back to you. You get back to them six months later, you're like yeah, I would like to buy those 5 million displays. And Sony's like, oh, no, we can't. What happened? Somebody buy them? Can't tell you. You know what was, it would be <laughs> who, Apple. Who is know? to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Sure. Anyway, look at those CubeSats in later, the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost feel like look like seeing that clip of spatial ops. I had not seen that before. That's very cool, right? It dynamically takes the space that you're in and it makes a game. And I wonder if if we wouldn't be better for having a divergence in VR to a certain degree. Because I feel like for me, what I would like in my little apartment is a game that I can just sit down and feel like I'm immersed in a world and maybe play with just a standard game controller or something. But I'm sure there are plenty of experiences where having a big room or even a medium-sized room really help to open up very physical things. But though it seems really tough to try to keep playing to both of those audiences very generally without acknowledging there are, there's a lot of spectrum between these experiences. I One of the fun games on the quest is uh mouse it's the one where the little mouse running through oh, the moss. sort of the fantasy yeah moss yeah and that's cool and like it, and everything looks like it's happening in front of you on a diorama so you can just sit at your desk and play this game and it looks really cool and that just sold me kind of on like you said you don't things the the mistake like i went and played like you know facebook or meta the horizons the world and being room scale or big scale can be great, but in VR, it can be fatiguing because you're trying to run from here to there, whatever. And being able to scale things down in such a way, like what what is an awesome interactive world experience where you can just sit there and go do it? Uh, well, so I, I have two thoughts. One is a practical uh, thought uh, regarding the battery life. Uh, now that I've started you know, using the USB-C tether to the computer, I no longer worry about battery life because like basically my, my Quest 2 just lives next to a computer mm -hmm. and it always has battery because it's, it's tethered to it and always charging. Mm. Um, but I definitely, oh, uh, uh, the other thing is if the cameras are as good as they seem and the AR is as good as it seems, then all of a sudden, Neil Stephenson's uh, metaverse becomes too real uh, it, to the extent that it's gross and embarrassing to encounter what he called in Snow Crash a gargoyle, which is somebody who won't take his damn goggles off and walks around in public with his face covered up with, with mm -hmm. uh, uh, VR, AR stuff. That's going to happen next year. That's going to be, you're going to see people wearing COVID masks for the bottom half of their face and, uh, and, and these goggles and just walking around in public. Public. But I, to what purpose? Uh, to, to nobody asking them how their day is purposes <laughs> to living in a uh, to somebody makes Vine an app that remaps things right now. What's that? <laughs> Vine Pro 2 right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like those people would just stay inside. Uh, they like fresh but, air. But also like we, uh, you know, Google Glass was available for in various forms uh, I think even still today in like enterprise uh, func functions, uh, I don't really. Ever well, they see say it. Uh, they I, say I just it, yeah. yeah, it's like. But that, I'm saying, I think that like, was a fa yeah. face saving way for them to say, "Oh yeah, it's if you use enterprise and." Yeah, uh, I, I'm, hmm. I'm. I'm still skeptical. <laughs> I mean, are you? Oh, I, I uh, like like go go to a concert wearing one of these, and it's recording the concert and your experience of the concert, first person, and also you're the weirdo with a with a robot mask on. Remember that uh, concert I couldn't see? <laughs> no, I mean that's just it. Is you will be able to later. You, no, you're not blind. <laughs> is <laughs> you all want to do some picks? Yeah, mm. uh, it's uh, it's funny that uh, we moved into VR talk because my pick is a VR game called Against. Uh, oh, yeah. I think we had I, I shared the uh, early beta uh, playthrough demo video, and at some point it got released, and I never noticed, and I finally played it. It's uh, in the spirit of uh, Pistol Whip or one of those other run and gun uh, games. Uh, this one just has really great epic uh music it's got a, mm. a film noir supernatural aesthetic to it mm -hmm. uh you you got machine guns and pistols and brass knuckles and swords and it, it's very beat saber you, you you feel like a real a real piece of work you feel awesome yeah i, I we, we played it a little bit over the weekend and it, it really is music it really is music based uh more than i thought it, i, I kind of thought it would be a little more um just general shooting, you know, but but it really is like you're hitting and shooting and doing things in the rhythm with the music, but it's not a lot of pop. At least the first the level we listened to was not like pop music. It was like really oh, no, cinematic. It was like, it was, yeah, it was epic cinema music. Yeah, um, it it is interesting to see how 
the game metrics, the game mechanics that work really well, in my experience, for the VR have been one, the beat saber or the pistol whip or this mechanic where the world comes at you, things come at you, you're stationary and you're moving around it. So it's not like you're trying to move around a 3d world, just it's linear in one sort of direction. Uh, walkabout golf, still favorite, still love it, which is kind of similar where you only need to be in what moved to like one or two spots to be able to do a thing. And then Demio, like I love just, just a game. I wish I had more time to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still ain't. By the way, that Rat King. De- I believe Demio is coming to like consoles and non VR platforms, mm-hmm. too, which is pretty cool. Because with uh, with crossplay, I, I would assume probably. Yeah, it's yep. probably not yep. real yep. hard. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Not real hard, everybody. It's just I mean, I mean, no, I mean the just... amount of data that you have to transfer for a turn based <laughs> strategy game is not very much. It's not like a Brian, first person. Brian, the product manager, you just know. staple just, it on there. All you have to do is type something on your keyboard. Oh, There's just one line of code. <laughs> I'm gonna pick. Um, I. I am I'm I'm having a blast with this. It just came out on the PlayStation. It is uh Tunic. Um what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm reading God God Doctor. My job here is to put in the topics for everybody to discuss. <laughs> just... <laughs> okay. So I've I've been playing Tunic. It's out on the the PlayStation now. It's been out on like the Switch and the PC for a while. Um and it's this little isometric uh kind of action adventure game. It looks kind of like a Zelda game. It's very cutesy. Um, but what is what I think is so fascinating about this game and is the kind of central loop of it is that you start this game with an in-game manual, like the like an old like PlayStation jewel case book booklet, right? Um, but it's in a it's in a runic language. It's not in in English scripted or anything. And so you have to kind of figure out what the game is. You have to figure out what you're doing. You know the controls for the game are obscured so you may not realize certain things that you can do uh, until you find the page and so you find the pages for the book in the game itself so as you play that booklet which you know back in the day would have been how you would put a lot of story into these games um, becomes this lifeline where you're constantly checking it for maps for items for what what does this do what am i supposed to do with this boss like what like I- uh like uh, i flipped a switch uh, surely something happened in this book uh right and the other thing that's interesting about it is that um the level design is is really really good um it's it's in this isometric view so you have a very controlled viewpoint but um, you know, you know when you play like games and you go through a dungeon. At the end of the dungeon, you're either brought all the way back to the beginning, or there's like a secret path that, like, oh, now we've opened the path, so you could just get it through here easy. And Tunic is filled with a lot of those that are just open already. You just you just can't see them, or they're just hidden. And so once you finish a dungeon, you're like, the path was right there. I could have just got. <laughs> so, so is there great. opportunities to accidentally fall into things you're not supposed to know yet, or um, a, a little bit? But it's also because it's kind of got that uh, Legend of Zelda sort of thing. You're getting equipment that lets you do certain things. Um, that kind of blocks you in certain ways. You know, um, for example, there's a, a a big mountain door as a part of the game. You go up this big mountain, and there's a big door, and you can't do anything there right now. Um, and I was spending some time to look around the level, like, okay, is there a connection to any other place? Because a lot of these maps connect to each other in secret hidden ways, and I'm looking through and I'm trying to squeeze my guy into all these little things, and I'm not finding anything. And so I go into my next dungeon, and I go up a hill, and I I realize, oh, I just went up a secret path to the mountain again. There's a secret exit right here that I completely missed. And so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of finding secrets, finding the game of, of it yourself, um, if you like uh, Outer uh, Outer Wilds, the time loop spacey game, mm-hmm. you would love some. You would really like something like this because uh, it's a lot of you have to. You're gonna have to figure it out. You're gonna have to. I don't know what the story is about. There are keys. There used to be gods. There's a defying death thing. <laughs> That's the extent of it that I know. And I played like ten hours already. Um, it's awesome. It's on a lot of consoles. It's not very expensive either. Very highly recommended. Tunic. Uh, I'm going to just say something dumb and obvious, but um, things that I didn't think like 30 years ago today, like looking at looking at the uh, 
the isometric images for that. And it's a simple sort of kind, kind of almost a low poly sort of design to it. And it's very cool. It looks very, very, very cool. And 30 years ago, we'd be thinking like, oh, everything's going to have to be super high res and look like real or whatever. But and, and this game's, I think, you know, more kind of polished in that sense, too. But the amount of games that come out today that look like, you know, 16 bit or 8 bit, and it's not like considered just a, a quaint little thing, but it's just a, a visual language we understand. We get it. And, and you know, there are people playing, there are kids playing games today that are intentionally look like blocky pixel created characters that were, their parents were born around the time, you know, playing games at the time where that was sort of normal. And I just think that aesthetic, that idea that that aesthetic is now like line drawings and for certain kinds of animation are going to be with us forever. Yeah, uh, in so many ways, limitations become um, nostalgically, they, they, they become uh, motifs, basically, you know, uh, uh, yeah. limitations for everything from transportation and the way cars looked uh, in the 50s, that, that they, you know, were working around their limitations. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, how do we make that look like that, uh, yeah. but still have the safety gear that we want in our automobiles? What? And, and you cut yourself off from saying nostalgic because, you know, you realize like, yeah, it's not even nostalgic for people. It's just a thing that works. You know, right. Mario works. Mario works in the fidelity that Mario. When we think of Mario, we tend not even think of like, you know, Mario 3D. We tend to think of just old school Mario because that's our brain gets it. And once Mario's playing, we don't need to count the pixels. We just got to make sure the behavior works right, whatever. So that's it's just a thing to think about if you're going to create something, whether it's a game or movie or whatever. The, the resolution and fidelity doesn't as matter as much as how engaging it is. Absolutely. You know, Tetris, Tetris became one of those best-selling games, became one of the top-selling games in the world at the time when Doom and these other really complex first-person shooters were the rage. Yet here is the thing that's like, it's blocks, <laughs> you know, or like, yeah. oh, or, or, be awesome. or before that, they were they were the letter A, four at a time in various configurations. Yeah. I mean, literally ASCII. text. Yeah. The original text adventure. <laughs> and and uh, gosh, I wish I could remember where I heard this from, but the idea of like, we are still really enamored with like TV and VHS glitches and static um, as, as like an aesthetic thing. We uh, like really idolize the limitations of these, these media because they're so prevalent, you know, whether you're talking about CD skipping or... Uh, uh, any sort of glitch art VHS stuff. We, I mean, we've, we, we, in all of our stuff, we use a lot of uh, glitchy things like that. And that's, it's at least a little bit well, coming and, from those uh, limitations. Uh, I, I want to say, like, I don't know why Led Zeppelin, I think in their, whenever in the 60s, uh, took, took knives to their uh, improved electric guitar amps to puncture it so that you would get that dirty, distorted sound. Right. But but it's like there's something about the moment you're free of constrictions, you want to run backwards and figure out how to reimpose those uh, restrictions on you. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like a symbol of a wall that you couldn't get past. And so when you kind of bump up against them, you get almost that sense of like, Oh man, I I pushed it too far. I pushed the limits of the media. Yeah, uh, Andrew, you got a pick? I do have a pick. It's a little bit of a self-serving pick, but it might be helpful to some people. If you go over to my blog, andrewmain.com, and then click on blog, um, OpenAI company, which I work for, released a couple models that are do speech to text, and we made them open source, so anybody can download them and run them. And they're the best I've ever used. They're highly capable. There's metrics to show how, how really amazing they are. They will do speech to text and they'll do punctuation, everything else like that. And for some people, like you have to download and run them. So I wanted to make it easy, easy as I could. So there's a thing called a Google has a thing called Colab, which is a it's an online notebook environment where you can run code and you basically just click on each cell to tell it to run. A little technical, but literally anybody can be up and running in like 10 minutes if they wanted to try that. Um, so what's cool about this is, uh, I put these two, I put these together. So if you have a YouTube video and you just want to convert it to get captions from it, there's one notebook that makes it very, you just add the URL for that and it will do that. And then I did one. If you have a folder full of movie files or a folder full of audio files, it will just create transcripts from that can connect to your Google doc, wow. your Google drive rather. That's, wow. that's really impressive. And I saw the, uh, the, some of the clips that, 
uh, of the whisper the whisper model transcribing stuff things like um uh, the the micro machine man i remember seeing that one um and it gets it right too you know when you hear it when you see it with the transcript you're like oh no, he's those are all the words he's just he's not saying gibberish he's just saying those words really really fast and now i can kind of keep up with it so uh, andrew yeah. in in you using this software will it do things like remove semantic crutches like ands and ums and ahs and all that stuff uh i mean it's pretty good you have to t- i think it's it's if it, they're pretty pronounced but you just need to sort of like check it because it's trying to be faithful when it's doing but the punctuation that's really good but and you could also do find replace on that but wow that's uh awesome. very cool andrewmain.com check the blog i'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, and i've only i've only used the collab once i think i used it for <laughs> the most open-ended dungeon master experience ever there was an ai bot where you could just just it, it says but you, you just start, you're like, look around and it'll tell you. And then, and then it, it could be anything from a relationship dating sim to it's, it's, it just listens to whatever you're saying and tells a story, uh, like your own personal dungeon master. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, if I was able to get it to work, anybody can. Yeah. Uh, Andrew had to leave, uh, at, at the last second had, a uh, something pop up, but, uh, we were just at the end of the show. So perfect timing. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, uh, uh, thank, thank you, Justin. You're great. <laughs> and maybe also thank you, Bryce. Uh, Wait, uh, oh, Brad, Brad. Oh, no, thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> no, I was, uh, the joke was I was miscalling you, Justin. Oh, okay. I thought the joke was that you were ignoring me. No, All right. no, 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 no. The joke is I'm the joke. Is I'm the joke. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Weird Thing Program. We'll be back next week. It's been weird. Woo! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.